You're listening to the Green Majority Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading this week's show. The main show this week is our CIUT fundraiser, but do not fear. We still have lots of good content for you. It is still a real show. So please enjoy this week's program. If you would like to, you still can donate to CIUT. Of course, we wouldn't be able to have our show without CIUT. Um, But if you're uh, specifically a fan of the Green Majority, remember, as usual, that you can become a Green Majority member directly through Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Green Majority to sign up today. Thanks so much and enjoy the program. Welcome, you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. It is, of course, the spring fundraising drive, but do not worry. We're still going to have a complete and full show for you today, including a guest who's not yet uh, here, but he'll be joining us shortly, Rob Shirky uh, from Our Horizon. Longtime listeners of the show will know Rob because uh, he's, I believe, second only to Tim Nash as far as our most often visited uh, guest. Is that right? Would you say, Stephen? Probably. Uh, I know, at least recently. Uh, I feel like you know the Angela Bischoffs of the world probably actually historically remain closer to the top. That's true. Well, well I think the takeaway point here, though, is that even our guests uh, can tolerate us after nearly ten years on the air. <laughs> exactly, they keep coming back. People who have to be in our physical presence. So yeah. you, as the listener, man, must be <laughs> it must be great being you. Uh, so <laughs> obviously, taking our usual silly tone here. Before I pass off to Stevan, so Stevan's going to lead our our uh, initial news section here, as he normally does, as he customarily does. Uh, we want to uh, to to, as I said, have a full and complete show, but there will be occasional. Uh, request to call in and 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 this is not uh this is a bother this is actually our our privilege i just want to assure people that we will not be only reading the phone number for an hour uh that being said though uh this is a real opportunity to uh become a actual member of the ciut uh family um become a member which comes with a variety of perks and uh prizes uh and i were talking before the show that we didn't terribly think that that the audience for the show would be super swayed by prizes but uh i could be wrong um, so Stefan's going to read a list of prizes here, I think, uh, about halfway through the news section uh, to let you know what could be won. But uh, this is the time. So, uh, of course, alternative media is uh, uh, you know something we talk about a lot on the show. Um, CIUT is the largest community station in Canada. We have arguably the uh, biggest reach. Um, and is, I think, really uh, on the forefront of community radio when it comes to promoting uh, not just independent uh, arts and culture and, and independent media and giving exposure to people who uh, maybe aren't in the top 40 already, um, but also as shows like ours, which uh, focus on important news items that are that are either not being reported or, or not being reported with the type of expertise and care that it requires. And so this is, uh, I think, a, a valuable function of our democracy to have uh, uh, programs uh, like ours. I hope you feel the same way. And, and certainly uh, stations like CIUT. So that's my initial pinch. I'll just give you the, the website and the phone number here, and then Stefan's going to take it away with some actual news. Uh, so 416-946-7800 is the number to call in. You can do that right now. Uh, we have operators standing by, which I, is sort of a phrase I love saying, but it's actually true. We legitimately have volunteers <laughs> uh, here waiting to take your call. Uh, if you want to do toll-free, you can do one 888 Or the easiest way, I think for 2017, most people will go this route, is the ciut.fm route so ciut.fm slash donate uh hyphen today i believe it is but if you go to ciut there's a big dot fm there's a big button there so check that out uh without further delays 
Uh, oh, and sorry, and I have to uh, thank people just in the last few minutes here, actually, uh, if you're just tuning in. Uh, but in the last few minutes, we've had a number of donors we want to thank as well. So uh, just sort of before we came on there, there. So Dan, uh, Athena, uh, Randy, and Ellen, uh, thank you very much. You got us to 34,291. Uh, which leaves us with 34,800 to get to our goal. So we're pretty much halfway. We, Stefan, we have the honor of taking it over the halfway mark here during our hour. Well, that is that is one that we do not take lightly here. No. Yes. So but the reason people are going to do that is because we provide great content. So let's get started with that. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I have two uh, two quick stories, given that we're sort of running at a, a fun little pace today. Uh, and both of them, I've spent the last couple of weeks, if you listen to the show, being relatively depressing. Uh, Salty, you might say. Uh, perhaps a little bit. Uh, uh, and I'm flipping the script today. I'm being uh, these are two actual, generally positive stories. Uh, you know, both coming out of coming out of uh, really unexpected places. I guess I'll say uh, the first is is that this is a this is a claim. Uh, it's you know again, it's one of those things where the politicians will say something, and perhaps uh, perhaps it will turn out to be nothing. Uh, but yet the claim alone, I think, is interesting, which is that the minister of coal and mines. Uh, if, uh, uh, of India named uh, Piyush Goyal uh, recently said at the Conf- Conf- Confederation of Indian Industry in an- the annual session 2017 in New Delhi uh, that basically that we are going to introduce electric vehicles in a very big way uh, and going as far as to say that every car in India will be solar power will be powered by electricity by the year 2030 now this is from this is in, this is in a place in which you know uh, the ministers of coal in mines. So this is a very specific ministry uh, in which that's what they're doing. Um, but still, th- like if anyone, you know, if Justin Trudeau came out and said this, no one would believe him. It's it's not a this is this isn't a, this isn't a goal le- with a level of audac- uh, audaciousness, audacity, audacity, audacity um, that that would be unheard of in, in most places. Uh, so to have it coming out of India, which is you know, especially as it, as it continues to grow as a global economic power, uh, is incredibly important. Um, and and what's interesting is what's being fu- what's fueling this is a very similar thing to what is fueling the rise uh, of of more sustainable technologies in 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 China, which is of course just how polluted their cities are, uh, and and it's so it's again it's not one of the things it, it's it's more often than not we're seeing especially in India and China the the response to to climate change is being driven more by pollutions of major cities rather than the, than the sort of threat of climate change itself. Which, uh, which you know, as, as as someone in this in the studio, I think cares a lot about trying to warn people about the dangers of fossil fuel cars. Uh, and I forget who that person is. Oh, it's Rob Shirky. Hey, Rob. Great segue. Sorry, I'm a little late. We'll blame the subway, which in turn will blame on a, on a lack of funding for proper transportation, which in turn will blame on a, I think a lack of political will, which I'll get into later. Amazing. Thanks, Rob. Rob, Rob. Rob has a story actually that that was teased almost half a year ago, and he said he couldn't give the details. Of the time so exciting revealer yes later. maybe i don't maybe. know i i don't actually we'll know. find out um but yes rob Stu- rob shirky's just joined us in the studio um but this is amazing news like this is the idea that india might take this big of a step into the electric market uh it means it is only is generally only good news in my mind not to mention the fact that there's uh you know that this is a this is part of a larger trend in which you know things like ford is now actually creating a plug-in electric car in china to again combat smog so the amount of which the move towards electric is is gaining steam for for reasons uh, outside of climate change um, are 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 many uh, and they are growing. So good news number one. 
Uh, more good news is that you can have you have an excellent opportunity. I'm all about the segues today uh, to uh, to support independent journalism uh, and and all of the amazing different types of shows on CIUT. Uh, it's been a absolute honor for me to be here for the last three years and getting to getting to sort of share uh, share these different environmental news stories with you. But you know, we're only one hour. Uh, there are many more hours in the day, and CUT consistently brings uh, it's 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 a different kind of radio station. You, as much as you much much as you want to pretend that uh, the, the the more corporate radio stations don't all sound the same, they do. Uh, and I think CIUT and Community Radio brings an entirely different voice to the table, which in a way that doesn't actually exist. I think other places anymore. I think radio is one of the few places where uh, community shows like this are are side by side with the you know if you just turn your dial, you get a corporate radio station that has a that that's you know, be a very different type of conversation. You can't do that in a lot of other media anymore. Uh, you know, everyone thinks everyone everyone says that the internet is a is this boon. I think for um, for independent journalism, which it is in some ways, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta. This is this is direct to the people kind of stuff that most places don't provide. So CIUT remains incredibly important. Well, I just want to do a quick aside on that. There's something many many people not have known. Uh, well, old, older listeners will know Stefan that that you and I uh, made a good push at doing some additional uh, bonus content to the radio show a few years ago uh, on YouTube, and and part of that was to follow in the footsteps of some extremely successful channels like the Young Turks, uh, who I have actually a clip we're going to play a little bit later. Uh, but recently, over the last few months, interestingly. Um, YouTube went underwent this massive crackdown and all of the progressive channels that I know uh, from Young, Young Turks all the way down to uh, a number of smaller channels that are like by smaller channels I mean they only have 350,000 subscribers not like two and a half million subscribers uh, are now in a panic uh, including uh, award-winning shows uh, such as the Majority Report or Sam Cedar. Uh, there's another channel called Secular Talk. They're all in a panic because their revenue has been slashed and so now those shows are now in a, a, a panic because they had all their funding dependent on youtube ad revenue and youtube is uh, google has just decided to yank their ability to monetize their thing so i mean progressive voices are you know for whatever reason and we we're not going to get into conspiracy theories about that uh but why that's happening but the reality remains that progressive and independent voices are constantly under assault whether it be from nefarious forces or simple uh big business economics um that this is something that needs to be preserved and protected not just uh, sort of enjoyed so yeah so uh you can call in uh and support us other, directly to with 416-946-7 or toll free at 1-88-204-8976 and of course you can go online ca2.fm and and uh, people who have already done that i want to make sure we thank them right away so sandra stefan bruce and leanne and that's not this stefan because i've been watching him this whole time <laughs> so those uh those four people uh, sandra stefan leanne and bruce are amazing because uh, generally you get a uh, Generally, you get uh, more donations right at the end. So these were some very eager people, and we want to uh, thank them very much uh, for their participation in this fundraising drive and encourage others to follow their example. Shout out to other Stephans out there who are supporting us. You, uh, you know, uh, last la- la- our last funding drive was really driven by Tim's. I think this one is on us, guys. We can do it, Stephans. Um, the, uh, that's a shout out to the only people who listen to the show so regularly that they actually listen to the the donation show uh, consistently, so they get my 
reference to the last time we asked for money. Um, but I, but uh, as I want to get back very quickly to the second story so we don't miss it, because uh, again, we are doing all the content all the time, um, which is another good news. And actually being more surprising, I would argue, than the last one, which is that the Republicans recently, the Senate Republicans recently failed to repeal methane regulations for drilling on public lands. And the reason why this is surprising is that it was only done because three Senate Republicans actually switched sides um, and, and, and forced this defeat. Uh, which is, you know, which as much as as much as a lot of sort of words have come out saying that they are that 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 Republicans are are sort of you know at odds with the administration, they've been relatively good at voting with them every time. Uh, but this particular vote actually saw John McCain, Susan Collins, and Lindsey Graham all siding over the Democrats to vote it down, uh, which was unexpected. Um, it's a, it's a, especially given that, especially given the, the rules that were put in place by Obama, uh, to, to reduce the amount of methane being released. And, and someone did the right thing, which I know shouldn't be like said with such shock. Uh, but it is, uh, given where we stand now. So methane remains at least in, regulated in this manner, uh, for, you know, at least the next three days. Yeah. John McCain, the eternal enigma, the, the surprisingly reasonable human being on any topic out side of uh, if you ask him about war and then his answer is bomb everything uh, but aside from that is not a terrible human being all of the time a very very interesting man and anyway, principled for things that i don't necessarily agree with but principled i think uh compared especially to the politicians we've been used to i mean he's 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 looking better by contrast day by day which is a which is a sad state of affairs yeah. uh but yeah so that's like that's great news this is one of those things where it's like uh you know actually this is great a senior nasa climate scientist on twitter just added that uh it was good news <laughs> which which like is one of those things where it's like you're gonna see this guy who's like you know has to spend his entire life re- reading very very bad news and then one thing comes by and he's like oh that's good news all right i'll take it you know science we talk a lot about how scientists are sort of famously very cautious with their language and and unfortunately because of that uh they're very specific and very and very uh you might say allergic to hyperbole um, so, but because of that, unfortunately, because of the hyperbole norms that we find in the media, often their, their statements are underwhelming by contrast, especially to the, to the opponents. So I, I was toying with the idea just a moment ago of what if we had like some sort of app that took any scientist's press release or tweet or anything else, uh, and just randomly added expletives, uh, <laughs> just to add to the emphasis of their, their point to sort of, sort of translate it into the parlance that we're used to in, in general, uh, social media discourse. Mm. Uh, so, and to make sure that I didn't, that you did not lie earlier i will tell everyone what these grand prizes are if you donate 85 dollars and 50 cents or more uh you become a member of cut and enter a drive for basically what i think is enough to make your own radio station uh you only yourself would be able to hear it but still it's a radio station for you personalized by you uh that is because it includes uh three h4n pro zoom recorders uh, which you can then record your radio show on. Uh, and then three Stanton T62 direct turntables, uh, as well. And then three also Newmark PT10 USB portable vinyl archiving turntables um and then and then three uh AK, akg k214 mk11 headphones basically these look like relatively fancy uh fun things to do and so you basically can record your show with the with the zoom recorder play it play the play the music and then listen to it on your headphones or if you're super lucky we have one bose wave radio four uh, as, as as well, so you can literally make your you can do the whole thing. You, as long as you have a computer to do some editing software, you can make yourself a customized radio show for one. Uh, <laughs> well, if you win all the prizes, which I actually don't think is possible, so you, maybe you can't. 
Yeah, and, and there's one on there, too, for a higher amount. It's, uh, if uh, I believe it's $500. You actually get two hours of programming on CIUT. I will add to that. If someone during our program does that, uh, I realize it's a big ask. Uh, someone does it during our program, I will add to that, and I will sit in for those two hours and contribute in any way uh, they would like to that two hours of programming if they want an extra voice or if they want me to tech that uh, hour for them. You've got it if you do that during the hour. All right, uh, so there, there you go. go. For any, uh, for any uh, high rollers out there. Uh, we're going to listen to Megan briefly. Our, our tech uh, here who's going to introduce our, our song. Uh, take it away, Megan. All right, you're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM live. This is the Green Majority Radio Program uh, here on uh, Friday morning. Uh, if you one of our syndicates is playing the show, we very much appreciate them uh, uh, doing that as well, uh, but probably less will play this show. Uh, there is still, however, for those listening, still a bonus show this week, uh, of which uh, Rob Shirky will be sticking around. Uh, but before I talk more about someone who's sitting in front of me, let me reintroduce for those of you who are not familiar uh, with Rob. Rob Shirky is the uh, executive director of Our Horizon, um, and I will uh, I will let Rob himself uh, outline uh, what Our Horizon has been uh, doing because I want him also to update f- folks on on what's been going on. So, Rob, I will simply hand to you now. Please uh, update the listeners. What is Our Horizon? Uh, who are you? Uh, and what are you doing here? <laughs> well, isn't that a big question? Where do we start? What are we all? Where doing do you here? come from? What yeah. are any of us really doing here? Really. Um, so we'll deal with the existential piece maybe later for now. Uh, my name is Rob. Uh, I'm a lawyer. Uh, I'm also the executive director of Our Horizon. We're a nonprofit organization that engages government to try and get them to pass legislation uh, that would require on gas pumps, uh, call them climate change warning labels or risk disclosure labels. The concept basically uh, helps to sort of close that experiential gap between cause and effect, so between our, our use of fossil fuels and their various impacts. Um, to create greater social impetus for reform. So it's funny, when you mentioned that, I I completely forgot, I did tease something the last time I was on here. It wasn't my intention to actually share it, uh, but what the heck? Uh, So this this has never yet been public. Um, We have, I'm going to read to you, this is a draft bill uh, that we, we were working with a provincial politician, so I won't say which province, which party, which I have to keep this somewhat ambiguous. Mm -hmm. We can't tell big oil where to go exactly. (laughs) Um, But so here's the title of of the act, an act to require all gas stations in the province of blank (laughs) to to have warning labels regarding greenhouse gas emissions on gas pumps. Section two, every person who owns or operates a gas section where gasoline, diesel, or other motor fuels are sold to the public shall ensure that there's affixed on every fuel pump panel uh, or fuel pump handle a label showing information regarding greenhouse gas emissions in the form and, and manner prescribed by regulation. Uh, so that's a piece we're working on at the provincial level. At the federal level, we actually have uh, engaged some MPs who, uh, who have said that they're going to either introduce a private member's bill to implement it nationwide or move it forward in some way. And that's a bit nebulous, but there's a variety of ways uh, that a politician can sort of introduce something for conversation that's actually shy uh, of, of a private member's bill. Um, so, so that's kind of where we're at. Personally, I actually got a concussion a few months ago, and that's actually slowed me down a little bit. But the one piece that uh, in, in all of our advocacy that sort of uh, we're waiting on is I'm working on a book uh, and that book, uh, it has sort of everything you've ever wanted to know about this idea, why it's compelling and so on and some of the, you know, the personal story uh, behind it. So that's what I'm focusing on now. I'm expecting that to be out uh, in October 
Um, but I guess one of the things that I was wanting to chat about today actually came from an article that I read in The Guardian, uh, and it's, it's titled, How to Fix Climate Change, Put Cities, Not Countries, in Charge. Uh, and that was originally my thesis when I launched this project a little while ago. Uh, it was to engage municipalities on the thinking that, um, you know, if, if, you're, uh, if you're in government at the provincial or federal level, there's many more competing interests, might be harder to get things done. At the local level, if you use, um, the, say, the Municipal Act here in Ontario or, or similar legislation in other provinces in creative ways, maybe cities can do something on climate change. Uh, and this is where I'm going to sort of take some of Stefan's shine away, <laughs> maybe now segueing into the less hopeful, less optimistic part of, of the show. Um, if I could, if I could write an article now, if I could almost retitle this piece that I wrote, which does have some merit to it, um, but I think I would call it "How to Fix Climate Change: Put the Courageous in Charge, um, Not the Cowardly." Right? Because at the end of the day, I think that's what it comes down to. One of my biggest challenges um, with with getting governments on board with this piece uh, comes comes from and and one councillor uh, in Toronto actually who's quite progressive. I remember when I when I first pitched it to him, gave him the elevator pitch. Uh, he said, "Quote, but people don't want to see that." And you know what? That's the intention. We don't want to see it. This is a problem that we'd we'd rather not address. You know, and and the very nature of it, you know, the big consequences come down the road. It's an easy one to back burner. So the intention is to sort of put it on the front burner by making it a little more salient in our day to day lives. But yeah, people don't want to see it. Do you want to be that that councillor, that politician? Who is the one that puts this in front of your constituents' faces, right? So it's going to take a little bit of courage uh, to do it, and that's that's one of the bigger challenges um, that we're facing. Uh, so just to tie this into something that's been going going on here in uh, in the city of Toronto, recently there was the Transform TO report that came out, um, and you know it's it's a good report, but a report is only as good as you know whether or not we're actually going to fund it, right? So I think the very next day, staff comes out with a report advising council pursue a quote status quo budget, i.e., no more new spending, no new projects, right? Uh, then this week, the budget committee considers staff's report and voted for a budget freeze. That effectively means that. Wow, great report. Guess what? All those wonderful recommendations were not going to fund. Um, and so, hey, how about this for a segue? <laughs> and so on the topic of funding, you know, if, if be it transform TO, the report to address climate change here in the city of Toronto is not funded, it's dead in the water. Much like if we don't fund independent uh, media, if we don't support uh, CIUT, you know, everything is only as good as whether or not it's going to receive funding. So it's important to fund independent media. Um, the donation line, once again, 416-946-7800 or toll-free, 1-888-204-8976 or just go to the website ciut.fm and you can use your credit card, credit card uh, online there as well. Um, but just to get back to, to this idea... Uh, and it's it's kind of sad. There was in February, uh, it, 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 sort of like a, an, an early opportunity to just get the Transform TO some some early things running, uh, and it was it was put to council to put 1.2 million dollars to get a head start on this report. And at the end of the day, the recommendations in this report exceed they're, they're in the hundreds of millions, right? So the 1.2 million just to get the thing rolling. Is, is a drop, you know, and, and I think, 
you know, how we vote on that is reflective of are we actually going to pursue this or not. Um, turns out, guess what? Drum roll. Council voted against it, right? Ah. So we can't even put something, you know, just a little bit more than a million bucks into this thing, which I think speaks to, again, uh, and this article that I read in The Guardian um, – this, this, I think, was actually quite insightful. The author says, the challenge facing cities and citizens is to summon the necessary political will. And in the absence of that, in the absence of, of political will, I don't think it matters which order of government you're in. Uh, if you don't have the courage to tackle this problem, it's not going to happen. Uh, and what I'm trying to achieve anyway with this intervention I'm working on is if day to day, if you can make the issue of climate change you know, a little more proximate, we, we feel more connected to it, maybe more responsible for it. Um, that then is going to sort of frustrate the status quo solution, right? Stimulate broader demand for reform. Uh, and you'll see then government align their, their policies with the sort of shift in, in what citizens are wanting. Similarly, you'll see businesses um, cater their offerings to, to meet the shift in consumer demand. So, you know, not all is lost, but I got to say I am a little discouraged um, <laughs> with what's been going on at the municipal level. But do look forward to my book coming out uh, in October. And I think what will then coincide with that are perhaps some interesting uh, announcements from other orders of government where, fingers crossed, um, Courage Trump's cowardice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Solid, uh, solid ending there, Rob. Yeah, I think on the on the on the word of um, you know making people uncomfortable, I was thinking um, uh, where were you you're talking about? Oh, you know the the counselor's uh, response. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking about when you said that, and, and I nearly introduced you, but my mic mm. was off, which saved you from being interrupted. <laughs> um, because I, then I went to turn it on, and I was like, "No, I'll let him talk." Uh, but what I was going to say was like, as far as that, I mean, like you know, it comes back to the thing we talk about a lot on the show, which is like you know it's, that it's it, one of the eternal challenges is is you know making people uncomfortable and, and making the climate thing seem real and mm-hmm. and not you know real as in real or false, but as in like real as in like as real as stubbing your toe. There's yeah. a difference between a threat of you know you one day you'll stub your toe and stubbing your toe right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and even if that day is tomorrow or an hour from now it has different so one of the things that popped in my head when you said that was like oh well you know it's it's people don't want to see that and the thing that popped in my head was yeah like the victims of uh mining violence from canadian mining companies we don't want to see that like the people who are uh now dying from asbestos poisoning because canada's banned it but we're still we were still mining until recently uh we may still be but i believe it was finally stopped but uh asbestos mines and Quebec, where you know we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars removing asbestos from Canadian buildings because of the dangerous uh, health effects, but we still ship it overseas, or, or at the very least, we did until recently. Um, Canada's not great about that stuff. We just like to to have that veneer, and mm-hmm. I, I think a harsh look at the fact that we're not quite as nice and we're not quite as friendly and we're not quite as well-meaning as we like to think of ourselves as, or at least not these days, um, is we should be on, that should make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that that's the answer to that should have been like, I, I would have said that that's going to make people uncomfortable, but that would have been like, yeah, yeah, that's that's, the idea. That's how we know that's a good idea (laughs) because it's true and it's going to make people uncomfortable. And I have more coming up in my section about a new round of politicians, but I just, I, I think this will, create a good segue here we'll get we'll go back to to stefan for a minute here but the like this theme very much will carry into my section uh in uh, in the final section of the show yeah mm-hmm. just to just to jump back onto the this this sort of interesting we can do all of the uh we can get all of the right say the right things we can do all the right reports but then at some point you actually just have to put some money into something um and i think it goes back to the sort of 
the ethos, I think, to some extent of uh, of what this of of what the you know. Uh, it's hard not to reference just the, our current mayor John Tory, but the, the sort of the way that often that often I guess more conservative uh, leaders will run um, of of the idea that you know they can even the ones who may say say all the right things, it, but but if they're not going to actually raise the capital to or 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 find new ways to raise the capital, um, then then you can then what the, then then words are meaningless, right? If you're not going to actually put money behind it, if you're not going to find a way to like you can say you like I feel like more often than not. Uh, you find conservative governments will will work to reduce the amount of money that they have available to them mm. and then also reduce their scope and then at the end of it be like, well, how could we do anything? Look, the budget is tied and we can't lose any more money and all these other things are this way. And it's because – but that's, that's by design, right? Mm-hmm. The, the design is to limit the power of government to then allow them to not do the work. Uh, that that needs to get, that very much needs to get done. It's true, and then someone like me, just a regular old citizen from the outside looking in, sees this and concludes, "Well, boy, government is useless. You know, this is a an ineffective institution." And then it's a slippery slope to then, well, you know, well exactly. And then and then and then and then that's redoubled by the that's then used as a campaign slogan exactly. by the by you know by people trying to get it was well if the government is useless then let's then let's defund it even more yeah and it's a slippery yeah. slope it's a slope that gets at some extent you get to a place where suddenly you're, there's no government uh, and and you know and we're sitting in sewage water <laughs> and everyone's wondering why uh, and the answer was that we never believed we could do anything about it in the first place yeah it's it's so it's 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 distressing to have a lot of the stuff where it's like you know we're, we can find all the right ways to talk about it but it's it, until someone decides to you know t- be in any way courageous like i think that's what to to be like hey society we need a little more money to make mm-hmm. this work mm-hmm. you know there's not it's, it's, i know it's hard as a politician to, mm. to explain to people that you need you know some more money for something because it you know because of the way we've managed to make things work but like that's the courage you need right now yeah no well, I, that's what it comes down to um and i think sorry sorry for interrupting you um I think it really comes down to the, the the nature of the problem is, and again, this the author of you know how to fix climate change, put cities not countries in charge, hits it on the head uh, when he writes: politicians pay few costs for doing nothing and receive little credit for acting aggressively. Given that the thing we're trying to address, in large part, the the most severe impacts happen down the road, and it's this thing that I've said over and over in my own advocacy: it's the current moment bias. We prefer interests that are small and near in time relative to significant ones that are down the road. And as long as that's the case, as long as this thing is, isn't as salient in our day-to-day lives, if we're not feeling that, as you say, discomfort, you know, then yeah, we're going to backburner it. And, and the easy cowardly approach is to then not deal with it, to not say fund that program to address it. So I think it's, it's critical if we're to actually address this beast called climate change in a sincere way, um, we need to honestly look at it. We need to get get a little uncomfortable, you know, put those labels on gas pumps um, so that we feel like, okay, this is real. I'm feeling more connected to this. And then you'll get politicians with a little more political license to be able to fund, say, public transit, cycling infrastructure, what have you. Yeah, no, I think um – is yeah as far as far as the the news thing i mean just coming back to so the idea of the idea of like you know it's it's you know the the right wing idea of like how to get stuff a lot of the time or the playbook uh that stephen harper didn't uh write but was very versed in uh was the break it so people you know complain that it's broken and then you have an excuse to get rid of it mm-hmm. and i mean essentially i just went i didn't want to get completely sidetracked here but i mean essentially that the ultimate extension of that argument is that essentially that you're looking at libertarianism and uh if anyone wants 
wants to have a debate on uh, libertarianism, I'm not doing it on this program, but you can book a speaker <laughs> request through the website. I will happily come and debate uh, the merits of government with you. But uh, I mean, you know, what people say was, well, look at all these examples of places where government does things wrong. Well, OK. So when we're looking at a place where we, you know, we have a government and they're doing things that maybe aren't the best, regardless of what you think those things are, maybe, maybe they're not the best thing you think is that there's too much climate regulations or whatever, but whatever it is. But what I don't understand about people who take that libertarian tone is that what you're saying is uh, government's uh, employees are lazy and inefficient and have an in incentive, if any, to, to just do as little as possible, right? To, to get paid and to, and, and I'm, we're just taking the harshest tone here, and I agree with some of this, but I mean, just to, just to make the case that they would make, you know, government employees are, you know, paid tons of money to, and an incentive, essentially incentivized to be as lazy as possible and to waste taxpayer money. I agree. Uh, to some extent, to some limited extent, I agree that that's a problem. But the libertarian claim is that a solution is to take people with an incentive to be lazy and replace it with people to incentive to rob you blind. And I just think that's insane. So, you know, if, if we're, we, we mm. won't have that debate now. But, I mean, just consider the alternative. And I think there's a third option. I think there's a third option, which is redesigning how government works to force accountability um, is the only correct of those three options. Uh, because I do agree that, that governments have a really bad set of incentives uh, for a variety of reasons. I do not agree that the solution is to remove it and replace them with corporations who are accountable to nobody but their shareholders, uh, who often aren't even Canadians. Right. In many cases, the majority of their shareholders aren't Canadians, uh, and yet we're behest to their interests. So uh, let's let's wrap that section up there. Rob's going to stay stick around and, and jump in. Hopefully, he'll jump in during my section. I know he'll stick around for part of the bonus show as well. Uh, but right now, we're going to hear from Megan, who this time will uh, be in charge of pitching. Hi there. So I'm, on the subject of accountability, I just want to say that regular listeners to this show are well aware that media will always reflect whoever's funding it. And it is no coincidence that a show like The Green Majority has found a home on CIUT. So if you would like to support independent media like The Green Majority, give us a call at 416-946-7800 or go to the website at www.ciut.fm. Right. We are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. During our spring fundraising drive, please take this opportunity if you haven't already. We're now into the final home stretch of the program. We've had uh, a number of wonderful people call in already, but we need more. Uh, we need some more people to call in or go to the website. Please consider doing that right now. Uh, as Stefan mentioned earlier, there is a number of prizes. I personally think that our listeners are above being bribed, but maybe I'm wrong. There are a number of fancy electronics you can win. You, uh, trips, uh, th usually stuff like that. Uh, there are no trips. No trips. Okay. Well, only Sometimes into only into the only only maybe sonic trips. You know, you got these headphones on. <laughs> Put on, uh, a, put on a nice record. It is some extremely fancy electronic equipment there. Uh, uh, you can check the website if that's your deciding factor for the details on that gear. It looks pretty sweet. If you win the headphones, I need them. <laughs> I, I, my old ones broke. Yeah. So, uh, so donate your, uh, your headphones uh, by sending a picture of a turtle to Stefan at stayho.com <laughs> underscore. Uh, no. Uh, so... Um, so the, please take that opportunity to do that. As we said, final section, we need a few more people to call in in all seriousness. You know, we enjoy having some fun here, but uh, it is very uh, serious and very important uh, that people call in and support us uh, so that we can continue being uh, derisive and sarcastic uh, to our political opponents here on, on public radio. Uh, <laughs> uh, so which you can do that uh, by going to 416-946-7800, of course, toll free at one 
404-209-2048976. Or most likely, I would think, uh, CIUT.FM. Uh, there's a button. I believe it's slash donate hyphen today, but just go to CIUT.FM and you'll see that as well. So my topic uh, for the final section, and I uh, encourage both Stefan and Rob to jump in here in a moment. Uh, I'm just going to outline uh, basically a, a one news item and one clip the, from, the, uh, from the U.S., uh, that I think uh, foreshadows a little bit. Often uh, what we'll find politically is that not all the time, but much of the time, political trends in the U.S. tend to filter up to the Canada uh, on somewhat of a cycle. So uh, a number of years later, uh, there could uh, some similarity, and all, not always in the same way, but sort of s- certain types of trends. Uh, so for instance, uh, you know, after Obama was about to leave office, Justin Trudeau, uh, there's a lot of examples I could give um, of trends tending to trend north uh, with some amount of time delay. So we'll be getting into the trend that I see coming in a moment. But the trend that's happening right now, of course, is that this week we had, uh, we're in the middle of uh, essentially a recount uh, after an extremely close uh, election in British Columbia uh, that left the Green Party with uh, doubling its uh, previous vote share from 8 to approximately 16%, leaving them with not one, not two, but three seats uh, as the count currently stands uh, in BC. Uh, one of the ridings was uh, uh, settled by as few as, I believe, nine votes. So there's a, a guaranteed recount uh, in that uh, area. So the balance of power could, in fact, shift. But as it sits right now, uh, the Liberals uh, maintained Christy Clark a minority government, but the vote is so uh, close that the Green Party has now been in the unprecedented, I believe, position of uh, potentially being kingmaker, having the ability to uh, ally with the uh, liberals and shore up their uh, government or to uh, provide an upset and potentially, and I think this is potentially risky. And and in fact, this is what I'll I'll prime Stefan and Rob that this is when I want to ask them their opinions about in a moment here is uh, the risks associated with backing up the technically uh, not as popular NDP, uh, although it was very close um, to the future of, of course, the viability of not just the Green Party, uh, but the fact, and this has been one that uh, Andrew Weaver, uh, who's the uh, elected uh, head of the Green Party in the BC and one of the people who got a seat, who was, who was previously the only person with a seat, uh, who said he would not run again if he did not, if he get more than one seat and now has three and is now in the position of being kingmaker, uh, what this might mean for the Green Party, regardless uh, of the decision they make, uh, so both taking into account and not taking into account that decision, we'll, we'll go to Rob and Stefan on that in just a moment. But uh, the position here that's most important and one that's been put forward uh, by uh, Andrew Weaver and the NDP leader, uh, whose name I don't have in front of me at the moment, apologize, um, is that technically if you add up um, – technically, they did if you add up, but it, uh, technically is, is meant to imply that it was close um, – you know, a majority of people in BC voted for parties that oppose uh, many of the energy infrastructure projects put forward by Justin Trudeau. And what I, the last point I want to highlight here before I go to comment to my panel is that uh, one of the most interesting things reading it here, and, and I'm not going to go because it would require me essentially to read good chunks of, of three articles here. So I'm going to tag them and encourage our listeners to read this for themselves. But there's a lot of language here where... Um, Justin Trudeau or his government has chimed in or commented on this, and I I feel like I'm reading it correctly, but I feel like I'm reading it in a way that the articles that I read didn't really call attention to, which was there was a lot of language around, uh, and in fact, one of them, it was quite 
clearly stated that Justin Trudeau is essentially saying, you know, if you want uh, if you want climate action, you're going to take pipelines. And so he said it, of course, in his usual smiley way. But it appears that the veneer of the friendly and all uh, generally uh, benevolent uh, Justin Trudeau may be forced to be put into a position where his charlatan uh, status as a climate leader uh, is going to be out in full force because he's essentially his government, despite their attempts to buffer this with fancy PR campaigns and Instagram pictures of, uh, you know, lower abdomens, uh, is the fact that they have now planted a stake in the ground that these energy projects will go through. And, and the thing that I'm, that I'm concerned about messaging here going forward and what will lead into my, my clip uh, that I'm going to play in a minute after we go to, uh, to my panel for comment, uh, is that now the, 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 it has forced them to sort of pull the sheet back and, and say, no, no, I'm essentially blackmailing you. If you want climate policy, we're going to have these pipelines. And uh, I think that's a bad move. But before we comment on Justin Trudeau, I, I, I want to hear from our panel on, on the thoughts on the uh, Green Party as kingmaker and what this might mean for uh, the larger trends just for the Green Party, uh, one way or the other. Stefan. Well, I think it. I think they have an opportunity to prove that minority governments can be effective and and provide a valuable government to people. Uh, I think more often than not, in our, more often the argument against proportional representation and sort of other uh, other ways of more improved electoral uh, electoral systems uh, is that minority governments don't do anything. Um, and, and what I what, what I found so interesting is I very recently actually was talking about this election uh, with a previously mentioned friend of the show, uh, Tim Nash, and he was describing a a system in which. Uh, in a minority government of this nature, the, the Greens have the ability to come up with, say, 20 demands or, tw- or 20 things that they, that they agree on with one, of, with, with, with one of the two parties or even 10 and 10, really, uh, and then just go through and work their way through them. Uh, you know, instead of forming a, a, a maybe a more official coalition, really actually just work on uh, on, on a, a set of agreement of like, okay, we'll have another election in two years, and and while we got that, we both agree that these twenty things should pass, uh, and so they work with their way point by point, point just through that, uh, and show that it, it's happened. Uh, his, it happened recently, or a couple, well, not recently, uh, but it happened a while ago um, in in Ontario and those two years were incredibly actually effective in in terms of getting policy passed because there wasn't so much of the sort of you know back and forth conversation it was entirely based around this we need to get this we agree on these 20 things let's make these 20 things happen and so i think done well this could be a great opportunity uh, you know if if they're not if they don't uh, get seduced in some other ways to to you know either join a formal coalition um or, or anything like that if they can if they can play it correctly i think there's an opportunity to see a lot of a lot of policies we might never have hoped for uh come through yeah i i would agree with that i think you can accomplish a lot um when you are in a minority government situation, I saw a press conference uh, where Andrew Weaver said, "I'm, I'm, you know, paraphrasing here, but essentially said that I'm perfectly happy to work with the party for even up to, you know, the full four-year term uh, if if we can get things done together. If there's overlap between our priorities, uh, and he he definitely stressed that he's not partisan. It's not about party politics. It's about getting things done. It's about good policy." Um, so it could be that uh, that you might actually see some interesting developments in BC. One of the things that um, the Greens there in BC are, are very keen on is electoral reform. So it could very well be that you know in, the, in this back and forth dialogue that goes on between the various um, parties and and the king or queen maker in it now Andrew Weaver, um, it could be that you know uh, support might be contingent on electoral reform. So that remains to be seen. 
Uh, of course, if that were to get some momentum, of course, and that can have some implications for the rest of the country. One thing I do want to touch on, though, um, that's interesting is the idea of uh, that Sarah brought up. Uh, climate change equals pipelines and the concept of, say, blackmailing. There is – I'll use the term uh, moral licensing um, and I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But there's an interesting study that came out. It would have been in the fall. It was in the National Post and I'll forward the article for the show notes. Um, but there was a survey that was done across Canada, province by province. Uh, and the question sort of sussed out, uh, do you do you support pipelines and uh, you know to bring to bring some some petroleum to market uh, and the the consensus was as you would guess you know in British Columbia in some eastern provinces in Ontario there was less support uh, but in in the western Can- uh, provinces Alberta etc more support the follow up question was if we implement uh, a carbon pricing regime be it a carbon tax or cap and trade. Does that then impact uh, whether or not you're, you're for pipelines? And across Canada, support for pipelines went up uniformly uh, and more than a majority in every single province. So it's interesting. Here we have this tool, carbon pricing, that ostensibly uh, operates to make us want uh, fossil fuels less, fossil fuel infrastructure, uh, oil and gas, and so on. And yet, here we are then, it's providing, uh, you know, what, what some people call a moral license um, for this, this fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, so it's, it's really, really interesting. And I'd hate to bring it back to my work, but I will. <laughs> what, one of the things that, that this concept that I'm advocating for, this sort of qualitative way of, of communicating externalities to market these hidden costs of fossil fuels using image and text as opposed to the more common um, uh, quantitative way, uh, the use of dollars and cents through pricing regimes, is it does avoid this moral licensing piece. It sort of engages our sense of humanity in a way that a small price increase uh, doesn't. So uh, I'm going to continue to advocate for this to, to mitigate some of the impacts um, that we might very well see as you know uh, blackmailing, as, as, as you put it. Yeah, and I, I also want to make sure that um, it doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, the irony of the Green Party and the NDP uh, potentially forming government and forcing the Liberals to enact proportional representation when that was the like, one of the main facets of Justin Trudeau's thing. Like, the irony of this is is so many layers deep. I want to buy it as a cake. <laughs> it, is, it is absurd. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, and I don't even have any conclusions about that. I just think that it's 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 important to note. Uh, Stephen, we'll go really quick to you, and I, then I want to make sure we get this clip in. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, while cakes have layers, onions... <laughs> I think it's more of an onion. Well, it's going to make mm-hmm. us cry. Not uh, well. It, it's, it might make us cry, or it could make us sick to our stomach from sugar, Stephen. Oh, so either way. Yeah, either way. <laughs> As a, a Shrek reference. I decided to stop this whole conversation for a Shrek know. reference. Okay, so we, let's <laughs> listen to this clip. You got. We've got about six minutes, and and what I want to just do really quickly, as I said, as you will remember, I outlined just a minute ago, um, is that often, not all the time, and not always in the form that we expect, but often it has uh, been historically true that political trends in one way or the other tend to mitigate, uh, come north. And so Joe Manchin, really quickly, if you don't know who he is, uh, it would be very understandable if you don't spend all day, you know, uh, every breaking moment you have uh, reading uh, American news headlines like I do. You may not know who Joe Manchin is. Joe Manchin is uh, one of the not Democrats, which is that he calls himself a Democrat, but almost universally provides covered, uh, cover for Republicans. If there was two Democrats that signed on to a Republican bill, including voting for Jeff Sessions and all the other hideous monsters that Trump put in office, you've got it. Joe Manchin's name. 
name was on it. Uh, he is from uh, West Virginia, uh, and obviously that is a coal uh, town, a uh, coal uh, state. Uh, and there's this new thing called the Justice Democrats, which are a bunch of uh, Democrats, uh, basically, who are going to primary establishment Democrats. So this is inspired by the Bernie Sanders movement. Uh, Justice Democrats are people who have agreed to nothing other than that they refuse to take corporate money of any kind. Uh, if they refuse to take corporate money of any kind, they get to call themselves a justice Democrat. And uh, in West Virginia, Joe Manchin is uh, quite a high-standing uh, Democrat. Uh, he is quite a lot of, uh, despite the fact that he's basically actually a Republican, he enjoys quite high standing uh, because he provides cover for the corporatist leanings of the Dem uh, establishment Democratic Party. He is going to be primaried this time around by a woman named Paula uh, Swer Swernigan. Uh, and I just want to play, we've got about four minutes left here. Well, uh, I just want to play a two-minute clip of her from a campaign event. If this sort of thing comes north, imagine this being said during a campaign. Imagine she was running against Justin Trudeau. And just, oh man, this is great. I was born in West Virginia, and I was born a coal miner's daughter, granddaughter. My stepdad was in the coal mines. My uncles were in the coal mines. And in West Virginia, you're taught to live, breathe, eat, literally coal. We are taught that coal defines us. So as a little girl, I was proud of my coal heritage. I was proud to be the coal miner's daughter. And as I got older and I watched the progression of what coal could do to my family, I wasn't so proud anymore. Because my grandfather spent 45 years in the coal mines and I watched him suffocate to death. My father served in the military and he was in Korea and he was a coal miner and he had cancer and I watched him suffocate. My stepfather has heart disease, has had open heart surgery and he gets up every morning and he suffers. But that was only the beginning of what I knew about suffering in Appalachia because the mountains was the most beautiful place in the world to me. That's my home. And I woke up one day to look around me and they started blowing those mountains up. The places that I used to play when I was a little girl and I enjoyed and the cleanest water in the world now runs black and orange in West Virginia. That coal-fired plant is fueled by the blood of my people and is fueled by your blood. There's no reason, Governor Patrick, that I should give you my children to fire that plant. All right, now we've only got a minute left, uh, so we won't have time to comment on that too much uh, here. But it just uh, as I said, just think about that. Imagine somebody like that was running against uh, Justin Trudeau, the type of conversation we'd be having in a, in a debate. Uh, so we'll have to leave that for the bonus show. The bonus show, we're going to keep talking about uh, the, a new wave of politician, uh, if this could be a thing, if this is a thing. Uh, but I will uh, have to ask you to uh, download the podcast for that. With our last minute here, of course, it's very important uh, to call in and show your support for the Green Majority. Please take this opportunity, your last opportunity during our live program here 
easier to call in 416-946-7800. You can also call toll-free at one 204 8976 or most likely you're going to go to ciut.fm uh, to donate today. Make sure you credit the Green Majority. Thank you so much to everyone who donated. Thank you for everyone who's in the process of donating right now. And uh, don't worry if you if you miss the program, if you're in the car right now, you can do it when you get home. That's fine uh, too. So uh, other than that, thank you very much from all of us here at the Green Majority and uh, best of luck to the rest of the uh, shows that are going forward here and deserve very much your support as well. That is it for the Green Majority this week. Thank you so much and take care. 